Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for joining me for season four of Women in the Arena podcast. This season, we are going to challenge ourselves. We are going to grow. We're going to stretch. We're going to push ourselves outside our comfort zone, and we're going to do some things that we have been dreaming to do. As I have said before, I may be the one behind the mic, but I don't do this by myself. I do this with all of you. Thank you all for joining me today, and let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for joining me again this week. This week, I have an amazing guest with me. She has such a wonderful perspective on how to raise her boys. I'm joined today by Marquita Wright, and she is an amazing executive that got to live her passion by having a role that required her to travel around the world. And she found that she also wanted to have more. So she and her husband got pregnant with twins. And everyone told her that you're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to give up your job. You're going to have to do things different. Well, she and her husband were determined to prove everybody wrong and show other families how to do the same. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you a woman that refuses to give up her passions just because she is a mom. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Marquita Wright. Marquita, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am very happy that you're here, excited to hear your story because this is not one that many of us here, many of us hear the same old story. The same one that you heard was, you know, I know you've loved traveling, but you're going to have to give up your job. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. Or do you know what it's like to travel with children? You're not going to be able to do that anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if, I, if I had a dime for every time I was told that. <laughs> and you're like, mm, no, uh, why am I going to give up my passion just because I I created two humans. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, many women will argue, and I've heard this more, more often now than I did when my children were younger, was that you are a better mother if you keep your passions alive. 100% because you can still satisfy yourself, right? So I think and I believe 100% that when you become a mom, you don't suddenly stop having your desires and wanting to live life and having your true interests. A lot of times you just put it on the back burner, but then you're never fulfilled. And when you're unfulfilled, how can you fill anybody else up? That is very true. And that's a, I think that's a lesson that a lot of us are starting to learn later in life. At least that's a lesson that I've learned later in life. It wasn't something that I knew intrinsically at all. But I want to talk about, first of all, what before you and your husband decided to have children, 
what did you get to do that just fueled <laughs> this wanderlust of you being able to travel literally all over the globe? Uh, I got to, yeah, travel all over the globe. And the great thing about it is that um, with my job, I wasn't just necessarily traveling solo. Like I may be traveling solo to get to the country, but a lot of times once I was there, I was with an account manager that is local to the area. So for example, when I went to India, then my coworker invited me over and his mom cooked this feast and I got to watch her prepare it. They dressed me in a sari, like to actually see how people live and celebrate their different religions because they had a little shrine in their house and they were telling me about the different things. It's just an amazing experience to see how other people learn and be invited into their house. It's, it's a privilege, right? So um, that is one of the most exciting things that I've done. Food is the universal language. Everybody can come together uh, on a table regardless of differences with food. And that's how they got to show, share their culture with you is with food and and showing you how they live. I mean, what a special opportunity because they shared a piece of them and their family with you. Exactly. I mean, it's very intimate to have someone in your house with your kids, holding your kids, trying on your sorry, like I'm trying your clothes on, you know, you're wrapping it underneath my boob. Like <laughs> we're very <laughs> intimate and close, right? So it's something that I, I will cherish forever, that opportunity that they gave me. So this is something obviously that is something that fires your soul up and it creates more passion to do more of this. But you didn't want to give up this just because you had these two little beautiful boys. No. So how, how did that conversation go with you and your husband that you're like, okay, I'm we're having twins <laughs> and we're we're still gonna go around the world. So I I, I want to be a fly in the wall in that conversation on how that happens. <laughs> well um, let's just say I personally am the person who does not take no for an answer. And if there's something that I want to do, I'm going to figure it out. Um, he's more of a let's go with the flow type of guy. So, you know, all these women before say so you're going to have to stop doing it. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to do it. And I'm kind of like, hold my beer. Let me show you. <laughs> so that probably was more of how it went, where it was like, uh, you know, let's start off. So I think it was like the third month when you go into the checkup with the doctor. And I'm like, so when can they fly? And she's like, whenever they want. And I'm like, say less, ma'am. So, you know, at four months, we went to my hometown. We live in New Orleans. I'm from Milwaukee. So we went to Milwaukee, which is very like, you know, especially with him. I'm like, oh, we're just going to go home. So, you know, my great, my great grandma can see him and they can, this wasn't COVID time. So everybody can meet them. Very normal thing. And it was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. Let's go have a sip and see at your, you know, at your hometown. And that went like really well. And then I found a flight deal the next month to Puerto Rico. And I was like, it's your birthday. We should go celebrate it. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then I just kind of kept adding it on the next month at six months. I'm like, I have to go to Europe for work. I'm taking the kids with me. Ask her on if she wants to come. And she's like, cool, let's do it. So literally it was just like, I kind of 
did it little bit by little bit. I didn't have a master plan of how I was going to convince him to continue to travel the world or convince myself. It was just like, this is working and I found something else or I need to do something else. And we just continued to do it and figured out what worked and what didn't work. So how did your kids adjust? I mean, they were six months old in Europe, so they, there was probably no adjustment for them at all. But how did you adjust to being yeah. in Europe with, with two six-month-year-old little boys? And, and I mean, it's hard. I mean, you, had, you have twins, so <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have double the trouble. So. Exactly. <laughs> so um, how did you adjust to the travel now with these two little boys? The biggest thing with the adjustment at that age is just all the crap, right? So oh, the yeah. double stroller, two car seats, the bag, you know, nursing and all of that. So just figuring out how to maneuver with all that stuff was probably the biggest adjustment. The best part about that in particular is that I was going to places that I've always been to, that I've been to plenty of times. So I was going to Amsterdam. That's where our European headquarters, we were there for a meeting. Um, So I've stayed in the hotel 17,000 times. I I knew it was like kind of going home, my European home. And then I was like, let's add a little fun to it and go to Paris for the weekend. (laughs) And so then that's when it became interesting because getting a double stroller on and off a train within a couple of minutes so you don't get left or leave a kid on the train while the train goes away and you're trying to take the other one off, that is when it becomes challenging. And and that's a great thing in the sense that I learned. So that's when I was like, I'm never traveling again with a double stroller. Not happening. Because <laughs> I can't maneuver the way I need to. So let's see. I see Europeans doing it. They have these small little ones that fold up on the top. So I researched that and was able to learn there's better way to do it. And that's the great thing about traveling to other countries is that you learn how other people do it. And they may have a better trick to how to do something. And you learn from them. And that's what I did. Huh. Huh. So you were learning along the way. Exactly. Uh, of- because they might have a better way. And turns out they, they sure did. did. <laughs> exactly. So, which is a great segue that we didn't plan. So that was perfect, by the way. Um, <laughs> great segue into your idea of cultural education. And I, I think I shared with you previously that that my family and I are very much invested in cultural education. We did it a little bit differently than you did. We had exchange students come to us yeah. when our children were in high school. We want because we wanted to show our children that kids are kids regardless of where they come from. Mm-hmm. A- and so you took it a different a different uh direction of cultural education. So how did you start that process of educating your children, even at that young age, that kids are kids no matter where you go. And you also need to appreciate and learn from the differences. Yeah. I mean, and so I think it wasn't necessarily like a strategic plan, but it's more of the sense that they just get to interact with people that are different from them. And it's not a big deal. Like that is the key, I think, in cultural education is being used to being around other people that are different than you. And you're just like, oh, it's just the same where it's like, you're blonde, <laughs> you're brunette, you're a redhead. Who cares? <laughs> like, 
So I think that is, and, and that's kind of how my kids are, you know, when they're with other people and in different cultures, they just, okay, um, with people. And so that is the key that I really want them to like get a, get get that sense of is that we're all just people and there's so many different similarities to us and to appreciate those. And then the difference is to appreciate those too, right? Of what people may eat different, which um, that's a big part of what we do even at home. We try to eat very different foods and get them used to that. So they're used to doing different things. There's just not one way to do it. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing about cultural education of learning um, that our differences is just a small part of who we are. I, I think that that is so important because it, it gives, at least I can, I can speak from my point of view. My, your, your children are not quite three yet. They, I think they turn three pretty soon. They turn four not. in March. Yes. So oh, they're super young. March. <laughs> yeah. no, four in March. And I, like I said, I can only speak from my point of view because my kids are 24 and 21. So they that, live. <laughs> yeah, yes. They've, they've lived. Um, they appreciate that people are different and they have picked up different habits and different things from the kids that have have come and lived with us. Um, here's here's a silly one, for example. Uh, our kids became addicted to Nutella before Nutella was a thing here in the U.S. Yeah. Because, because our little... Stuff. It is good stuff because our little German girl, um, and shouting out to Anna right now because we still talk to her to this day, um, she brought Nutella with her and they're like, what in the world is this? Exactly. So what have your kids picked up from other cultures that they're like, oh, my God, what is this? And we need to have this all the time. So the biggest thing that uh, recently we went to Peru in September um, and the now his new thing is the three year old. Um, well, both of them are three. They're twins. <laughs> but mm -hmm. You know, there's their learning language and food and asking questions and now finally to the point where you can actually have a conversation with them. And it's a, a thing that they watch on TV where it's like, do you like bananas? Do you like pancakes? Do you like banana pancakes? So now he's like, you know, do you like this? Do you like empanadas? Do you like chocolate empanadas? <laughs> right? Like, it's just to see a three-year-old even saying the word empanadas and knowing what an empanada is, it's, it's pretty just like, maybe I am doing something right. I, I, I love that, that you already know what it is and enjoy foods that are different than the normal American food. Well, speaking of American and our culture. Uh, when you and I got to speak earlier and get to know each other, you had explained to me that it was of the utmost importance that your sons learn how to be Black males outside of the U.S. because it is a very different experience outside of our culture. So can you explain to me just a, a little bit more about that? Ex expand uh, on that because, you know, we're, we live in this bubble. Exactly. And, and we only know this bubble. So yeah, educate I, us on what exists outside this bubble. So I, I want them to be able to see 
Black people for more than what America says they are. We are. (laughs) They are as boys. Um, And I want them to just know and experience the different things that we can do. So like it's I'm very much looking forward to the opportunity to be able to take them to the continent of Africa. So my husband and I have been to South Africa before pre-kids and like for me just the experience. First of all, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like it it's the experience just to see this and to live it um I can't wait till they're able to experience that. But then even in seeing how Black people live in Europe, that there's even Black people in Asia. Like, we are everywhere. And this limited point of view that America puts on who Black people are is just ridiculous. And so I want them to be able to experience that and then able to get more of a holistic viewpoint of what they can do. All the history, like, you know, the the history of Black people from the beginning of times. Like, I can't wait till as they get older and like one day their eyes open up and they realize the BS the U.S. really is in that perspective, um, I think it'll just be an enlightening opportunity for them. So, yeah, I really look forward to that. In your travels, what have you learned in other cultures on how the Black male and, and Black people in general, how are they viewed? I'm very curious to th- about that. Yeah, and it really depends on on the culture, honestly. So, for example, if you go to like an Asian culture or an Asian country, in my personal experience, it's more of they're like, oh my God, I've never seen someone who looks like you. They want to touch. They are literally like, can I take a picture with you? Can I, can I, you know, you may feel someone like trying to touch your hair and it's just, they have literally never seen anyone that looks like you or experienced someone around that, yeah, that looks like you. So it's not from a negative perspective at all. Like I haven't ever experienced like a malicious perspective. It's more of a curiosity of like, oh, I've seen it on TV, but you are here. Can I yeah, take a picture with you? And they're really excited about it. So I think that is a perspective. But then it also shows you, for example, like when my friend and I were in Dubai, everyone there was extremely just nice and kind and helpful, except for the Eastern European men. So that shows you the ingrained racism and bias that started from the beginning with European white males, (laughs) to be honest, right? So it it shows that the history and you show how history continues to play no matter where it's at. Like you're a tourist, I'm a tourist. You can't belittle me as a tourist because this isn't your country either. But you feel as if you have the omnipresence and the power to try to belittle somebody else in a place that you don't belong either. Interesting. We're both tourists staying at the exact same hotel. Huh. I'd never thought of that before at all. You feel that you can tell me what to do because of why? Because this isn't your country. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I think it's, first of all, I think it's remarkable that in Asian countries that it is a learning opportunity for them and it is a curiosity. So they take it as a as an educational experience. And then when you were in Dubai, you were treated with respect by the locals. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were rolling out the red carpet for you. I, I find that first of all, I find that very comforting, <laughs> number one. <laughs> um and, and number two, high. I find yeah, I, I find it fascinating that, and like I said, I'd not thought of this before, that they were that there were some individuals that were definitely overstepping their bounds and not welcoming you to a place that wasn't even theirs. No, huh. not at all. We're saying it's exact. Like you have no power over me. You're no better than me because we're staying at the same hotel. Like, it's not like even, like, same hotel, we do it the same. Like, sir, I don't know how you think you could say anything to me. I'm sure that you paid them no mind because they were also a guest. And <laughs> guests, don't, guests shouldn't be behaving that way. No, not at all. But it, it teaches you, right? So it's, like, interesting. You start seeing these patterns of how people behave and the audacity of some people or the curiosity of other people based off of um, just history and culture. So you're, you are creating, you're literally creating new inroads for your children to have a different point of view, a different perspective and broaden their horizons, which is what we all want to do or what we should all want to do in this in this cultural education is to be a good steward of your own culture and learn more about other cultures. Exactly. And it's not based off of hearsay. It's not based off of what someone else told you. It's based off of your personal experience where that is the best way to form an opinion about something is how you've experienced it. Not what someone else told you of, oh, you better be careful for these people because this is how pe- these people act. Well, no, I went there and they were really nice to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, have you been? Oh, you just said that because that's what somebody else told you. Don't go to the yeah. Middle East. Okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> and you know what? I, and this is this is a different extreme. Uh, the first Before the first time I went to New York City, I was told all these things. New Yorkers are rude. There's just nothing but crime and pickpockets and you know they they aren't very welcoming they're very cold and you know what i found all of that to be the exact opposite the i have never met more nice helpful people than in new york city indeed and and so it was just completely disproved everything that i was told exactly and that's what I want them to fight that. Like, so why do you say that? Have you been there? Exactly. Because it was hearsay. <laughs> exactly. It was what they heard. Exactly. It was, it was what they heard. So I think it's beautiful that you are giving your children firsthand education as to what the world has to offer. And what, and I don't even know if you've thought about this, what your children will do will then pay that forward by telling stories to their friends Mm -hmm. about what the world looks like. Exactly. 
you know, instead of this tiny little American bubble that, you know, the, the U.S. is just one part of a l- very large melting pot. <laughs> exactly. 100%. And I, I can't wait till they're able to, you know, be old enough and have the the language to verbalize their experiences, like to overhear them tell a friend about their experience. It will be, you know, pretty cool. You should write a book. Yeah, it's a, that's on the to-do list. That is on the to-do list. I hope you're keeping a, a blog or a log or something about your experiences and how your children are growing and evolving through each experience that oh, they that. Are, are, are in because what they experienced at two is going to be very different on how they're experiencing things at four. And that would be such an amazing and fascinating thing to see what has happened in those two two short years. I love that. I need to I need to do more of that, more of the like the intricate details of it. Um, that's a great idea. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get a little more more intricate in the notes that I keep. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and speaking of sharing these experiences. Part of your mission, besides, you know, giving your children experiences, you continuing to live your passions, is to teach other families on how to continue to do the same. Mm-hmm. So you have a website, uh, Traveling Twin Mama. You have Marquita's Travels. Tell us a little bit about what those are and what your mission is with that part of your experience? So the goal of the Traveling Twin Mama is to provide tips and inspiration to help women and families travel with confidence. So I think a lot of times the reason why people don't travel is because they're scared. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to start. They don't know if they can do it with kids and if they're, if they are a mom, then they don't know if they can travel without their kids because there's mom guilt and your grandma going to say, why you leave them babies? You know, all of this extra stuff, right? So I want to give them the confidence to say, girl, you can travel. You can travel with your kids. You can travel without your kids. You can travel with your man, your friend, whomever, like you can do it. And this is how these are resources and tips on how you can make your wonderless dreams come true, right? Um, so that is kind of the the main objective. And then also showing them that you don't necessarily have to do a family trip to Disney World for your kids to have fun. Like you can do activities that may not necessarily be, you know, considered family friendly, but the kids still go, they still enjoy their experiences and they still learn, right? So that is really the intention behind um, the traveling to Mala. So where's the strangest country? And I want, I don't, I don't mean <laughs> strange, like weird, but where you wouldn't think, oh, this is a great place to take kids. I took them to Machu Picchu. They they did Machu Picchu. What? Yeah. They Tell were like, me more. They were like, your kids did the Machu Picchu? I was like, my kids did Machu Picchu and my mom and her husband with, was with us as well. And let's just say 
the three-year-olds did a better job. <laughs> the reason we left at, at that time is because the adults, the seniors were ready. They were like, okay, we've walked enough. And the kids were like, Let, let's keep going. Let's do this. So yeah, we um, we, we, we did Machu Picchu and they did a, a wonderful job. They were not, they didn't cry. They didn't complain. They were ready to do whatever we wanted to do that day. So who took the nap first? You or the kids? Probably, probably me. Like once we got back on the, <laughs> once we got back on the bus uh, to get back uh, on the train, I probably was asleep. Both my husband and I probably were asleep on the bus because, <laughs> you know, the, there's a lot of hand holding and just making sure things go smoothly um, when you're hiking with three year olds. Uh, so. Yeah, we probably were. And it's an early day. You got to leave super, super early so you can drive the hour to get to the train, to get to Machu Picchu. There's steps into it. So, yeah, for sure. Probably us. <laughs> brave, brave lady. I, I'm, yes. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure that I would attempt that with toddlers, to be quite honest. I, I'm I'm not sure that I would attempt that by myself yet. Yet. You can do it. You just give me you time. Plan, plan it. So we did. So I had already had Machu Picchu planned, and then people were like, "What? You're crazy! You're taking kids hiking? How about you know altitude sickness? Blah, 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 all that." So I was like, "You know what? That's fine. We'll go to Montana the month before, and we'll do go to Big Sky, and we'll go all the way up eleven thousand feet." And we'll see how they do. And if they do fine, I'm not worried about Machu Picchu the next month. So we went to Montana. They hiked, you know, uh, the um, Yellowstone National Park. We went 11,000 feet up at Big Sky Mountain. They were fine. We all had a good time. So by the time we were going to Machu Picchu, I was like, oh, we're good. I'm not yeah, worried like, about it. this. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not That's worried about this at all. I'm a little worried about my mom, but I'm not worried <laughs> about the kids. <laughs> So, so you've been encouraging other families, other women to take their kids by themselves. What's the greatest feedback that you've gotten from these families that you've helped change their travel plans other than Disneyland? Yeah. So I just love when people respond in one or two ways of like, oh, I was scared to take my kids here. We did it and we just had so many memories. I'm already planning the next one. I'm like, yay, exciting. Or when, and I probably like this one a little more, where a mom messaged me like, thank you so much for giving me the encouragement and the confidence to take a momication. I went and got a hotel last night and I feel amazing. Oh, Hold hold the phone. What's a mama mamacation? <laughs> so a mamacation is when you choose to travel without your kids. And that can be for me, my mamacations is when I go by myself. So I'm going on a mamacation this weekend uh, for my birthday. Um, or a mamacation can be just me and my husband, because I call that a vacation, but still it a lot of people are scared to just leave their kids for you and your husband or you and your partner to go somewhere. Or a mommication can be a girl's trip, right? It's just when you choose to be a mama from afar. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a vacation from your kids. Um, 
And a lot of people are afraid of that because of mom guilt, because of who's going to watch my kids. Are they going to do it how I normally do it? Will my kids miss me? Will I miss them? All are very, very valid things, but you still have to prioritize yourself. And sometimes taking a vacation away from your kids is what you need. So it's a recharge that's what there you go. Exactly. It's a recharge. Time for yourself to do whatever you feel like doing. So just between us girls. <laughs> so have you ever or like I've I, 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 said like, I, I can't, I just, I can't. Have you ever gone and checked yourself into a hotel, just you and spent a day, a weekend just decompressing because you have like had enough, the work, the husband, the kids. Have you ever done that? I So it's usually like, oh, it's Mother's Day. Oh, it's your birthday. I'm like, I know what I want, a hotel. <laughs> He's like, okay, I can get a babysitter and join you. No, 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 sir. You are not invited. I want a hotel by myself. I'm going to order yeah, room service or Uber Eats, and I'm going to sit in a robe, and I'm going to watch Netflix. Make sure the hotel has Netflix. <laughs> do, you, do you get to sit and read a book, like yeah. uninterrupted? I have the book. I got my wine. I have my pizza that I ordered, and I'm sitting in my robe. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> It's I'm eating it when it's hot. I'm drinking my wine out the bottle. <laughs> it's great. So for the, for the men that are listening, and, and I know that, and I do have an amazing male supportive audience. For the men that are listening, send your wife on a mom occasion. Oh, God. You would be like the husband of the year. <laughs> Just all you need is just one night. Just one just night. One. You just so you can do what you want. You can sit in the tub as long as you like without anybody pounding on the door. Exactly. She'll come back a new woman. <laughs> Seriously, you come back and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's my like when 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 I get those messages of like, I, I did it. I did it. I, I took a vacation without my kids. It was just at the hotel downtown, but I felt great. And I'm like. Yay, girl. Exactly. Do it. <laughs> this is just another this is just another way of making yourself a priority and filling up your cup and and making sure that you put on your mask first so you can put on everybody else's mask. 100%. So, Marquita, where can everybody find all of your travel tips and encouragement, Where where's your website that they can go to and refer to? They can go to uh, the traveling twin mama, M-A-M-A.com, and then the traveling twin mama on Instagram. And if they have questions, can they reach out to you, DM you, email you, and ask you for advice or encouragement? Yeah, 100%. DMing me is probably the easiest because the Traveling Twin Mama is very easy to remember. And then just message me and I respond to all of the messages that I get. Awesome. So Marquita, before I let you go this afternoon, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to leave a one lasting word of encouragement to all of our very hardworking, very tired mamas. 
<laughs> you can do it. You can travel with kids. I always say that being at home with kids is hard. It's honestly really not that much harder to travel with your kids. I, In my mind, I always say I would prefer to travel with my kids than watch Blippi for the 120th time. So oh my God, there you yes. go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Marquita, you have been a wealth of information, a, a huge shot in the arm as far as encouragement is concerned. And I am so happy that you were able to uh, join me on the show and that we could finally get our Yay! schedules together so we could do this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for your flexibility. This was so much fun. This was such a good time for me too. I hope you all enjoyed this. You got some tips from Marquita. And if you've been sitting on the fence about should you travel or not, just go for it. Do it. So thank you all again for joining me this week. And we'll see you again next time. That's our show. Thank you all so much for spending your time with me and continuing to support this show, this community, and our endeavor to change the world one interview at a time. If you have any ideas for a new show or for a guest that you'd like me to interview, please reach out to me at audra at womeninthearena.net. Thank you again for all of your support, and we'll see you again next time. so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.